I get it from a fan's point of view. It annoys me when I hear past players commentating and almost barracking. I find that oh, really hard to listen to. Tim, that was superb it was. yesterday. It was awesome for the West Indies. It was not great for Australia. No, it wasn't great. It wasn't but... a great performance. And I don't like... I just don't like it. It feels a bit uncomfortable. It's like, why are you barracking against your team that you played in? Tim Payne on SEN Tassie Brecky. A little insight into his soul. And I don't think he's alone in that within the Australian setup. The relationship between the current players and the former players. One of our former players was Stephen O'Keefe. We shared the day in the SEN Test Cricket Commentary Box yesterday. A little bit of a morning after catch-up. Sock, welcome. Morning, Jared. Uh, guilty. Guilty as charged, Tim Payne. I was swept up in the West Indies fanfare, Jared. But, you know, seriously, do I, do, I, do I want to see Australia do poorly? Absolutely not. I wanted to see a good contest. And honestly, you couldn't have imagined a better way to finish a summer that you know, exceeded expectations from my point of view. How do how does it sit with you the morning after? Just the nature <laughs> of what we saw. Oh, look, I'm taking a deep breath as I reflect on it. Um, you know, obviously the hero on the last day was Shamar Joseph and his match winning seven for sixty eight. But this team, this Wendy West Indies team, young, inexperienced, written off, were full of heroes right across the park. The De Silva Hodge partnership at five for sixty four. Stands out, Kemar Roach, Alzari Joseph, Beffitts with the ball in the first innings who kept them in front of the game. And of course, uh, the almost forgotten man, Kevin Sinclair, his debut 50, the wicket of Usman Khawaja and that celebration, you know, that's been untouched um, in Test cricket. But the, the hero of West Indies cricket, Jared, is Shamar Joseph, a man who thought we wasn't going to go to the ground, had a broken toe after being hit on the foot by... Mitchell Stark, um, yeah, he wasn't even going to turn up. But in the end, he was a man who came on in the 29th over and bowled the Windies to one of the most famous of victories. In the grand scheme of individual performances that you've seen throughout your time watching cricket, where does that sit? Right at the top, Jared. Uh, you know, I just think there was so much chatter about this West Indies team and, you know, with players that didn't come. You know, the story is also about players that weren't here who were rested for the white ball series, um, the the innings finished in bizarre fashion for Australia, didn't it? It's when you thought they'd sort of wrestled back momentum. He gets hit on the toe, Shamar Joseph. Um, the Aussies come out and bat pretty well into the night and into the next morning. It's the 29th over that he comes on to bowl with the job almost halfway done. Steve Smith, you know, and Cameron Green looked just set at the crease and you just couldn't get the ball out of his hand. That, that 10 over plus spell in those conditions in that heat would, would live would have to be the best spell of bowling, fast bowling that I've ever seen. Yeah. It, it's hard not to feel like that. It, I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to think through not just cricket it's just on Australian mm. shores, underdog victories yeah. like that. So Michelle Payne won a Melbourne cup on a 100 to one shot, which was just unfathomable. This is in that category. Is it, if you made a list, I'm pretty sure given the might of Australia and where West Indies cricket is, it would find a place in the top five for sure and certain. Yeah, I mean, it just, you just felt at the time that, you know, the West Indies had done so much hard work to get ahead and then it was slipping away from them. It was going to take something magical, something special to to even get close, let alone just tear apart this Australian team. And it was a wicket 
that everyone was searching for the stumps but was rarely finding them. Um, you know, the Yorker to Travis Head, the ball to Cameron Green that came off the back elbow and hit the top of the stumps. He found life in this wicket where no one else could. Um, and Steve Smith, you know, who had been batting, was saying, I was cramping, my back was shot. Um, but Shamar Joseph, he just kept coming and coming. And Craig Brathwaite would speak to him and ask him, you know, how are you feeling? He said, I don't want this ball out of my hands yeah. until I get the job done. It was, it was just so special. What issues are there in the Australian team, do you reckon, out of yesterday and at the end of the test summer? Look, I think they would have turned up, the Australian team, searching for vindication for a couple of selections um, for their team. You know, however, I think they finished the summer with probably more questions than answers, unfortunately. The top six had a lean summer for their standards. You know, I think we've answered the opening question, Steve Smith, on any other game, on any other day, that would have been a match winning 91. They get the job done. He probably goes on to make 100. Um, the questions for mine still remain over our number three and four, Jared, in particular, Marnus. Um, you know, he was dismissed in similar fashion in both innings. I think the most telling was the edge off Graves. You'll take the Alzari Joseph one. That's pace, that's bounce, that's intimidating. But Graves was really innocuous, just wide of off stump, and he, and he fended it uh, to our man, Kevin Sinclair. So, you know, do we have a team that was eyeing off the finish line, you know, last test, summer? They've won a World Cup. They've wrapped up the World Trophy. You know, I'm going to give them, a, you know, a, a big tick for the summer. Um, but still, we go to New Zealand, uh, and I think now the, the microscope's going to be on that Australian top order. Can you call Travis Head out of form if you've got three golden ducks in a row, Jared? Is that out of form? Well, it, it, uh, I think emblematic of who he is is a century in one test and the king pair in the next. But, <laughs> yeah. but across five tests, you can't be making three golden ducks at five. That's the like yeah. no centuries from uh, one, three, four, who then went to the top and three golden ducks at five, is that's... I do think Australia would do well to look in the mirror and examine the batting performance rather than excuse it on all of these with tricky pitches. Yeah. I, I, you got that thing, didn't you, when you're reading the press, even before the game, oh, pink ball, this won't hold up because it's only got three mil of grass and the wicket's hard. There was this sense of, like, you know, we're, we're looking outside rather than looking in. And I think they got showed up by a West Indies team who were looking inwards and looking to fight and taking on the, the, the battle of the pitch. The Australians only batted for 103 overs for the whole test. You know, the, the, the partnership between De Silva and Hodge, they, they face as many balls in that partnership as what Australia did in their second innings. Um, and quite rightly said, that's just not good enough. To be bowled out in 53 overs and then 50, um, you know, your top six really needs to be standing up. Uh, you know, but this is a great Australian team. There's a lot of test entries in there. Yes, they've underperformed. They walk away 4-1. They go to New Zealand and there's going to be no harder place, I think. You know, they're going to be green wickets and sporting and spicy early on. Um, so they've got their work cut out for them, uh, the Aussies moving forward. It was a glorious day for Test cricket, wasn't it? Uh, after the Gabba, then what happened in Hyderabad is you're in cold sweats for Tom Hartley at the start of his Test career on day one when he got plonked over the fence twice in the first over and then he bowls England to heroic victory, taking seven himself. I, you know, I couldn't believe it. I was on the plane on the way back and couldn't believe it, really. They went in at five down. They've won the match. Ben Stokes has come out and said, you know, that's his most rewarding as skipper. 
Um, you know, if you're a, if you're a pessimist against Test cricket, we'll just turn the TV on for the next couple of weeks. This England and India series shapes up to be one of the most fascinating um, and exceed, I guess, some expectations that people thought. Um, you know, baseball will it survive over there? Well, it has. Ollie Pope one nine six and Tom Hartley first ball for six, then seven for in the second innings. Um, you know, this is just so spicy. In England going in with four spinners. Um, you know, I'm going to be fascinated to see how that one plays out. It's a five-test series, so that's historic in its own right. Um, there was a scenario in, in which England lost by an innings on day three, so it tells you everything about their character and uh, what they are able to do, plus their attitude. is. Uh, we've grown weary of the, the dogma around English cricket, but it struck me as the sort of victory that only Bazball could conjure. Why worry about losing when you can go about winning? Yeah, and... You know, it's it's amazing you hear some of the, the chatter around as well, like, oh, it's not baseball, it's dud ball yeah. now, you know, after an innings of play and people are so quick looking for reasons, a bit like what Tim Payne was saying, people looking for reasons just to knock it, you know, or to go against it, to be the contrarian rather than just celebrate it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's what Test Cricket's really crying out for now, these close battles. Um, you know, with the pink ball, it was so unpredictable every twist and turn, you know, you, you kind of didn't see it coming. Um, and now we're seeing in India, you know, a place where India very rarely loses at home. They lose a couple of games over their last 20 to 30 matches. They're going to be tested. And it is a side full of resilience that only baseball, Brendan McCullum, could bring to a group like that. Um, and Ben Stokes, his energy is palpable. You can see it on the screen. Um, Ryan Ahmed bowled his first couple of overs, went for boundaries, 13 off his first over, and he was the first person there behind him, you know, to give him a pat on the back, and you could read his lips saying, "Good job." Um, so this is a well-led England team um, that are going to, you know, take India all the way into the fifth Test and could bring up another historic win over there. Uh, they have won over there before, um, but I think this one could be even more entertaining. Long live Test cricket, hey? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm buzzing this morning, Jared. You know, it, it's just last, last night was magical. I'm not against the Aussies, but that was a magical evening to be a part of and witnessed. And, you know, I'm just so excited for the future of it. Um, and I hope people who are sitting on the fence a little bit pessimistic just turn on and watch the England India test because it's going to be one to remember. So great to share it with us. Thanks a lot for your thoughts again today. Thanks, Jared. Stephen O'Keefe, part of our SEN Test Cricket commentary team, had hundreds of messages this morning on all sorts of different fronts around Test Cricket, the West Indies and Australia. I'll, uh, I'll bring those together, give you a sample on how people are thinking. And Robert Craddock, I can't wait for the conversation with Crash today.